Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Thank you for this opportunity to just help us with this message this morning. God, we pray that your heart would be expressed. That God, our hearts would have such a greater desire to know you. To come to know you in a real, personal way. And that God, we would learn how to be exposed before you and become vulnerable. That we would just have such a, just a desire to walk and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you remember last week, we was really beginning to address some pertinent things toward men. And obviously the message itself is applicable to everybody, but I was really speaking uh, directly to men, and I guess it's simply because it's a passion of my heart and some things that I just desire to see God do in my own personal life and things that I desire to see God do in the lives of the men of Genesee Valley Church and just lives in the lives of men in the church itself. But if you remember, we looked at the story of Adam and just began to look at his leadership or the lack of it as a husband, as a father, as a spiritual leader. And obviously, God has given us these examples so that we can learn from them. And you would think that God's first prototype of a man, of a father, of a husband would do a whole lot better, but he just messed things up in a big way. And you think, well, God, why would you put that in there for everybody to see the mess up uh, of, of your first man? And Obviously, we can learn from those things, and God wants to be vulnerable with us to say, listen, this is an example, and you can be, and you can do, and you can live better, and you can walk closer with me than what even Adam did, right? And so, as we begin to look at just the story of Adam, or just to kind of revisit that for a moment, God said to Adam, he says, now, I've made you in my image and likeness, and he says, I want you to have dominion and authority and he says then you subdue or you conquer that which i've created now i find that interesting when i start to really look at this in the context of man of a husband of a father just the family uh, unit if you will and when you begin to look at just how god created everything it was perfect there was no sin there was no imperfections At that point in time, we know that man didn't have to toil like man has to today. In fact, for that matter, the Bible tells us that man and woman were naked. They had no need for clothes. Now, as I begin to think about that, just from the context of the ease of life. Now, once again, don't judge me by by the way that I'm thinking. But again, it just this picture came into mind. Guys, if you're going to the construction site... And doing work, you don't want to show up to work naked, do you? I mean, you want to have some work gloves. You want to have some work boots on. You want to have some coveralls. You want to have the right attire. Because if you show up on the construction site naked, it's going to be a painful day, right? And I only say that to say that obviously, if that's how man and woman were created, that they just were free and didn't know any better. Didn't know that they were naked because that was just normal. Then obviously life was not very strenuous at the beginning stages. Are you tracking with me? I'm not trying to paint an ugly picture for you. I'm just trying to say that obviously life was good. And life was easy. 
So then you back up and you begin to ask the question, well, what is it that you would have to subdue or to conquer? Well, the Bible tells us that in the midst of this earth and this creation, God placed Satan on this earth as well. Why? Because, one, man is not a robot. And so, therefore, Satan was here and, therefore, presented choices to man and woman. There was always this opportunity for temptation, and we exactly see that very thing, that the enemy came, Satan came and tempted the woman, and there was a choice to be made. And so when God says to man, the leader, the man, the head of the home, the head of the family, he says, I want you to subdue or conquer, or I want you to guard and protect your wife and your children, your family and your home. And this is the one that you're going to have to have dominion and authority and conquer over him. And obviously he did not do a very good job. And again, for the sake of just reviewing what we looked at, we saw that Satan came and began to flirt with the woman. When he came with the temptation, he didn't go to Adam. He went to her and started flirting with her, basically. Now, guys, I don't know if you're like me, but it's not going to take off long for some Yahoo to come flirting with my wife. I mean, at first I might be flattered, but if you keep it up, you and I are going to have a conversation. And you keep it up, we're going to have more than a conversation. We're going to have a confrontation, right? And so once again, here he just let the enemy just flirt and talk up his wife and did absolutely nothing about it. We see that the enemy questioned truth or questioned God. He also appealed to her senses and the way that the woman was made. Remember, he, he presented the fruit to her and she saw that it was good with the eye, saw that it would be good to taste. In fact, I'm, I'm convinced this is what, what the enemy said to Eve. He says, Eve, we got a sale on fruit today. <laughs> yeah, you caught it, didn't you? A little slow, but you got, yeah, he was running a sale on fruit and the woman said, sale? Oh, hey, I think this is a good deal. So, so, so the enemy appealed to the senses or the makeup of woman because the Bible says that he's cunning and he's crafty. We also see that the enemy belittled Adam in front of his wife. He, he negated his authority and went right to her, right in front of him and says, I don't care who you are. I'm going right to her. And so once again, he belittled Adam in front of his wife. And then lastly, he tempted her with the power of making choice and ruling over her husband. Right? And so once again, as we begin to see this, Adam did absolutely nothing. How did this happen? How did this happen in the event that man did not take his place? I am convinced that the reason that man or that Adam did not take his place as the rightful leader that he should is that his relationship with God was not what it ought to be. Now, once again, we we just take it for granted because the Bible says, well, he walked with God in the cool of the day. God came down and visited him. I mean, how many of us have had God come down and walk with us throughout our day? You know, we're out mowing grass and God says, hey, I just wanted to walk with you today. We've not had that happen. uh, uh, Adam had God come down and just hang out with him. So how in the world could he get lax in his relationship? I am convinced that Adam 
got distracted and got comfortable and got familiar with God's relationship. Are you here this morning? He must have let his heart get dry. He must have gotten distracted by everything else that he saw. Now guys, I know you're not like me. But this tends to be stereotypical of men. So I'll just talk and tell on myself. I'll ask my wife, honey, as I'm opening up the refrigerator, where is the whatever the is? And she says, it's right there on the shelf. And I'm like, where? She goes, it's right there on the shelf. I don't see it. It's right on the shelf. Where? And then she comes and she gets it and it's right in front of your nose. Right? Come on, guys, are you anything like me? Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> Thanks for throwing me under the bus, man. I appreciate that. All right, so, but I am convinced that Adam got distracted. <laughs> I'm convinced that he got distracted as a result of just everything else. And again, you realize that things were beautiful, things were perfect, things were not like they are today. You and I cannot even begin to imagine how perfect and how beautiful things are. I've got a beautiful wife. Just uh, last week I told you she got me wrapped around my, her little finger. She liked that when I said that, guys. Try that sometime. But can you imagine the very first woman that God ever made? I mean, you talk about perfection. I mean, she was it. I mean, if there ever was a supermodel, she was it. And he got distracted. If we don't purpose to cultivate our relationship with God, God, our relationship as well will begin to grow dry. What happens, just from the natural standpoint, what happens when the lawn or your your garden gets dry? Things start to dry up, don't they? Things start to die. And here's the interesting thing that I found. In fact, as you leave today, take a look at this lot right up here on the corner, on the corner of Corona and Lambden Road. You'll see that it has been mowed last week but in the midst of the dry brown grass there are these weeds that have grown up isn't it interesting that that which was once living as a result of becoming dry and beginning to die there is something that can live and something that begins to grow and you've heard the phrase grows like a weed it doesn't take long for those little buggers to start growing real big And if you was just to zoom in real quick, those particular ones that are up there, they have these purple little flowers. And if you was just to have a real zoomed in picture of that flower, you'd say, wow, that is a pretty flower. If you got real close, man, this actually smells kind of sweet. But then you zoom out and you see this gangly little skinny little scrawny little weed looking thing. And it is ugly as all get out. And if you try to pull it up, it is extremely hard to uproot. That's what happens when we allow ourselves to get dry in our relationship with God. And how does the enemy do it? He still does it the same way. He tries to distract us. He tries to get us off course. He tries to divert our attention. He tries to get us to feel guilty and feel shameful for the decisions that we've made. And all the while, weeds are starting to grow up. And the Bible says this, that sin is fun for a season, but it catches up with you. There's times when we can let our lives get dry and we start doing our own thing. And it seems like, man, this this seems right. It feels good. I'm enjoying myself. But the fun runs out real soon. 
and you find out that there's a lot of weeds that have grown up and you start looking around thinking, what in the world is this gangly stuff around me? And you try to start uprooting it and you find out, well, that's a lot harder than I thought. Or maybe it was an addiction or a habit or something that you kicked before and you used to be able to kick it and now it's like, wow, how in the world am I going to ever get on top of this? Can I just tell you a real quick story about myself? Is that all right? Not going anywhere, are you? It's raining outside, so you can hang out a little, little, little bit longer, right? All right. So when I was in high school, I got around the wrong crowd, and, and you know, I started putting that dip stuff in my mouth. You know, so I go around having, and I, you know, I spit. This looked real cool, you know, with the you know, and so, <laughs> and so I, you know, I got to a point where I was like, man, I don't want to chew anymore. And so this guy at work that I was working with, he says, hey, so why don't you try smoking a cigarette? And so I thought, well, I'll try smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, well, hey, whoo, kind of got that little rush off of smoking a cigarette for the first time. So I started smoking a cigarette, started smoking a little bit. And then all of a sudden I found out that I quit chewing tobacco because I was smoking cigarettes. And then I finally got the gusto and I quit smoking too. And then, you know, just as life would have it, you know, something comes up and you think, oh, I want to chew again. So I go and I start chewing again. And then I remember the last time, well, the last time when I quit chewing, I started smoking. So I thought, well, I'll just start smoking and I'll quit chewing. So I started smoking and chewing at the same time and I couldn't quit either one of them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Pretty bad, wasn't it? So what's my point in all that and telling you that story? Is that there's times where you think you can handle it and you can kick it. But if you get down the road long enough and let things get deep-rooted long enough, it's harder to get them up. Come on, if life starts getting dry and our relationship with God is beginning to get dry, those things that seem to take root in our life become to be harder to get rid of because I've let my relationship with God become dry. And God says, I want you to continue to stay strong. Wow. Now, from the standpoint, like, like I said myself, I like having a green lawn. I like having a lawn without weeds. And so I work a little bit on getting my lawn the way that I want it. And so I went to the guy up in Frankenmuth. He's, there, there's the granary up there where I get all my fertilizer stuff. And I said, okay, I want weed and feed and I want some fertilizer. And I said, so give me some tips as to how I get my lawn looking really good. He says, well, if you put the weed and feed on, if you put this on, that's really good. He says, but listen, it's not about trying to get rid of the weeds. It's about getting your lawn thick and healthy. Because if you'll get your lawn thick and healthy, it will choke out the weeds. See, many times we're focusing on the weeds because they're causing problems in our life. But God's saying, if you'll just allow yourself to grow and feed and develop a relationship with me, it will choke out the stuff that you're having trouble with. Quit focusing on the stuff that's giving you trouble and focus on me. Get raw with me. Develop a relationship with me and you'll find that those things that have been snagging you up, just there they are. They're no longer there. Amen. But how many have you noticed just in the distractions of life that we have today? There's, again, I'm not getting on a soapbox. It's just, it is what it is. But parents run every day of the week with kids' sports or activities or whatever it might be. And you see very easily that the distractions of life and the busyness of life choke out the relationship or the closeness with God. Well, it's just a tactic of the enemy. Well, if I don't do that, then little Johnny isn't going to be able to play baseball. Well, you know he's not going to be a professional anyways. I know you got great dreams, but you know what I'm talking about. Listen, okay, I'm starting to get on box. I know, I won't get on that soapbox. All right. So anyways, <laughs> so my question for you is this, is guys, girls, what are we feeding on? What are we giving our attention to? 
what's getting choked out as a result of what we're giving our attention to. Is it our relationship with God? Is it our relationship with our kids or our family? Or are we purposing to be intentional in how we serve God? And that automatically begins to choke out the things that would distract us. Come on, guys. I don't know if you're like I am. But if there's things that I like, you won't, you won't get me away from what I like doing. You know, guys, we like hunting. We like fishing. You know, these guys up here, they like playing, you know, with, with guitars and all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, uh, for Jordan, I mean, a, a fun afternoon, we go look at guitars. I mean, I'm like, shoot me in the head, you know. I mean, he, that's fun for him. He's like, wow, man, look at this little pedal. I'm like, yeah, what is that thing? This is an awesome pedal. I can do this with my guitars. Like, so what, you know? And I'm like, look at this golf club. And he's like, yeah, so what, you know? So everybody's got their own interest, right? And it doesn't matter how, you could be feeling sicker than a dog, but if it's a passion of your heart, you'll do it anyways. I remember when I met my wife, it was a very busy time at school. It was winter Bible seminar, we were in school, there was all these extra activities, I mean we were staying up late, everybody was running ragged, and I ended up getting sick, because I was pushing myself so much, and I was sicker than a dog. But you know, I toughed it up. I sucked, sucked it up because I wanted to go hang out with her. How you feeling? <laughs> good. good. <laughs> she didn't really want to kiss me during that time because it was like, ah, you know. But I, I did what I had to do, right? If you're passionate about it, you just do what you got to do because you want to do it. Well, what about our relationship with God? I got a hangnail. I think I'm going to stay home from church today. <laughs> Guys, I'm talking directly to you. If your wife doesn't come to church, is it an excuse for you not to go? It always cracks me up when I get the phone call or the text in the morning. Hey, the wife's sick. I'm like, okay. Now, I know what he's saying. The wife's sick. I'm like, yeah. So we won't be there. I'm like... Are we sick or is she sick? <laughs> well, probably even go silent. You don't hear anything back from them. What's my point? Is that oftentimes, guys, we're letting the women in our lives lead us spiritually. And God says, men, it is us. It's our job. It's our role to be the men of God for our wives to follow. Come on. I've heard men say this all the time where men will say, oh, I'm so glad that my wife is so strong spiritually because she helps lift me up. Listen, if she's lifting you up, then she's wearing the pants. Did I just say that? Wow. My feet got hot saying that, man. Wow. Like it or lump it, it's true, right? Why? Because God's called us to be the leaders. Our wives ought to see us guys and be so hungry for God because of the love that they see flowing from us. Now, I'm not saying I'm a great example of that because I have my, my well, I have one mess. One, well, I got one fault, that's all. <laughs> just, just one. No, I've got my stuff, you know. I'm, I'm working on me. But our wives ought to, our children ought to have a passion for God because of the example that we set, guys. My children 
like golf and talk about golf because I like golf. All right, guys, what are you talking about? Because whatever you're talking about, your kids are going to talk about. Are you here this morning? Hmm. That's good. I'm going to have to listen to that again. That's pretty good. That's, that's <laughs> I said that when it came to Adam, Adam obviously did not have the relationship that we so oftentimes think that he did. He must have got distracted. But we see that there was men that would step up and pursue God with their passion. And it affected eternity. It affected the family of God. It affected generations. It affected nations. If you think about Noah, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was a man that was used by God. He was a big mess up. But he still had a heart for God. And it recognizes him as being a man of righteousness. Abraham was noted to be the father of faith. By which all of us came from. Or have our relationship with God through. But he had his mess ups. Moses, the Bible says he was the most meek man. If you've ever read the story or watched the TV program. He had his issues. David, the Bible speaks of him and says that he was a man after God's own heart. But David had woman problems. He had lust issues. But God still called him a man after his own heart. Solomon had his issues, but the Bible notes him as being the wisest man ever. Enoch and Elijah, both men of God. And the Bible says that they didn't see death. The Bible says that it is appointed to man once to die. Everybody's going to die. But those two men, they didn't die. I mean, they walked so close with God, God just pulled up in a chariot and said, Come on, hop on in. I'll take you home. So that tells me that they were men of God that were so passionate in their pursuit after God. God just says, I'm going to do something different, something special with you guys. We see John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus. There were men of God, even though they had mistakes in their life, even though they had struggles like you and I, they said, you know what? We're going to have a passionate heart to know and to pursue God. We shared this with you last time in Acts, or excuse me, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, we look at this son speaking of Jesus and see the God we can, which cannot be seen. We look at this son speaking of Jesus and we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him or in Jesus and finds its purpose in him. He was there before anything or any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this very moment. And when it comes to the church, we, his family... He organizes and holds it all together like a head does the body. The Bible says that we as men find our purpose in Him. God, Jesus, begins to lead us into knowing God and what God's purpose and heart for for our lives are. Now I said to you that I desire for the men of Genesee Valley Church to have a passion for God. And I was talking to this, uh, talking to the Lord about this the other day. In fact, it was last Sunday night because I'm like, God, there's just something that's stirring in my heart. 
And I was walking down the stairs at my house because I was saying, God, show me the scripture because I, I believe that in my heart. I said, but show me what you're, what you're sharing with me. And so he did. And this is what God spoke to my heart. He said, there is a revival. And if you've been in church, you know what I mean. There is a move of God that God is doing something in this hour, in this age, in this time in history. And he's doing something in the lives of men. And I said, God, I believe that. Because we've seen a bunch of weak, mamby, pamby, sissy, woman-following men that just don't take up the... Take up the slack and do what you've called him to do. I said, I believe that. I said, but show it to me. And he took me over to Acts chapter 2. Turn there if you will. Acts chapter 2. Guys, what am I talking about? Church, what am I talking about? I'm talking about having a passion for God. Where we're so vulnerable, so hungry, and so desire to know Him. That that's what is the priority of our life. In Acts chapter 2, at this point in time, Jesus had ascended. He spent time with His disciples. He said, okay guys, it's time for me to go. He said, it's, it's more to your advantage that I go than I stay. And then He says, now, the church is going to be birthed. And He says, now... I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to help you in everyday life. And then as the Holy Spirit came, there was just a, just a party that was going on. So much so that everybody that saw the disciples says, these people are drunk. I mean, they're just, they're, they're beside themselves. They're having too much fun. And Peter stood up in the midst of them. And this is what he said in verse 15. He says, Actually, verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, it says, For it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit. Now, hold up real quick. This reference right here is also referenced in other areas as when God poured out the rain. Remember when we talked about it being dry? When it's dry, weeds grow. But when it's raining, it gets healthy. It produces life. So he says this. He says, in the last days... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall, uh, shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they shall prophesy. Stop there for a moment. He says, in the last days, just before I come, it will increase the rain will increase, and this is what it's going to look like. I will rain, I will love on, I will pour out my heart on all flesh. And then he says, on your men servants, your maid servants, your old men, your young men. And you'll notice he speaks of six different peoples. Four out of the six are speaking of men. Did you catch that? He didn't keep it even. 
He didn't keep it equal. He didn't say, okay, we're going to do it for the women and we're going to do it for the men. And we're going to do it for the men and we're going to do it for the women. He did not keep it equal. If you'll read it again, you'll find that six different people he spoke of, four out of the six, he's speaking of men. Why? I believe, this is my opinion, I believe it to to the core of my being, that what God is doing is He's arresting the, the family, He's arresting men's heart, and He's pouring out His heart so that men, fathers, husbands, will become so passionately pursuing God that the family will come in line. That fathers will be the head of their children, the head of their wives, not to rule over but be the example of a man of God that is passionately pursuing Him. Amen. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. So what does that look like? That looks like God's purpose for all of us. Now notice what it says here. Now I'll close with these next couple statements. Verse 21 of Acts 2. When God pours out His Spirit on humanity and especially men, notice verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in other words, there is going to be such a change, such a modification in the lives of people, and especially men, that people are going to come and say, Cody, how do I know you're Jesus? Like, let me tell you. Because of the heart change and what God begins to do. Guys, Our children, our sons and our daughters ought to be able to look at you and find Jesus. Your example, your love should turn the attention of your wife, of your children toward God. Let me give you an example just as I close. There's a minister... That I'm familiar with. I I don't know him personally. But I've followed his ministry for years. A well-known man of God. Known around the world. And his daughter got pregnant. While she was in college. What a kiss of death for a well-known minister. That your daughter goes, shacks up and gets pregnant. And she's scared to death. Thinking dad is going to be furious. So she waited and she waited and finally she wrote a letter to tell her dad. To say, Dad, I know you're going to be disappointed, but I got pregnant. She couldn't face him on the phone. And she said one day when she was in her dorm room, she said the phone rang. And she said, I knew that that was dad. And it was about a week after she sent the letter. She said she, she answered the phone and it was her dad's voice. Anticipating that her dad was going to chew her out. The first words of her dad was, someone will be a grandpa. When I heard her tell that story, I just began to bawl. Because I thought, if that was me, oh my gosh, there would be hell to pay. You know what I mean? But I saw in the example of that father was a true man of God that walked with a heart toward God and the love of God shined through him. And the first response was one of acceptance and of love. That's 
what a man of God that passionately pursued God looks like. Not one that's hard, but one that's loving. One that doesn't reject, but one that draws near. One that just models love. That's the heart of God. As we grow older, men and women, we find ourselves wanting independence. God doesn't want us to find independence with Him as a father. My three children, I've got a daughter that's ready, getting ready to turn ten, one that just turned eight, and my little boy, he's getting ready to turn five here soon. Each one of them have a significant way that they interact act with me. My oldest daughter in the morning, first thing that she does is she gets up and she hugs me. My middle child, my youngest daughter, her thing is that when I go to bed, she just or when she goes to bed, she just gives me a big hug and she don't let go of me. I try to pull away and she still keeps holding on to me. And then there's my son. He just wants to be on top of me anytime and everywhere. I can have a daughter here and a daughter here sitting on the couch. And by goodness, he's going to be right here sitting on my lap because he wants the full attention. They're at that age where they just want to crawl on dad's lap. They just want to love on me and hug on me. Now, I know that's going to change. But my desire is to keep their hearts so tender and sensitive that even at the age of 35, they'll still be able to come and sit on my lap and say, Dad, I love you and thank you for loving me. Thank you for being the example that I found Jesus because I saw him in you. That's my heart. Guys, I really want us to be an example. I believe that if Genesee County, if the greater Flint area is going to take a turn, it's going to be men that stand up and say, we serve God. Amen. That's my heart. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just pray and we'll close. Father, I pray that every single person in this room could find themselves in this message this morning. This wasn't strictly for men, it's for men and women and everyone in between. And God, I thank you that our hearts are turning towards you. That God, you're identifying those things that are choking out that passion and that hunger for you. God, I pray that we would begin to refocus and identify those things so that we can begin to not be moved by them, but have a stronger relationship. God, I pray that our our desires and our hearts are for you. God, we worship and magnify you. Thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life